I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to the Circe Podcast Network. I'm Joshua Gibbs, and this is Proverbial, the podcast where we explore the wisdom of the ages as it comes to us in Proverbs, by which I mean wise sayings a man may live by if he's not so arrogant as to think himself special. Episode 119, Just My Imagination. Today's proverb is unattributed. I'll read it twice. Act like a lady. Once more, act like a lady. I know what you're thinking. Is this a proverb? It's a thing people say, but people say, shut up, cut it out, knock it off. These are also things people say. And these aren't proverbs, are they? No, they're not. Knock it off, shut up, not proverbs. I'm going to say that act like a lady is a proverb, though. And I say this because it's moral instruction, which centers on the nature of reality, And it has to be carefully interpreted in order to be understood. I think it's fair to note that a lot of what we think of as Proverbs today began as just things people say. And so it's true that act like a lady is a thing people say, but that's kind of the nature of all Proverbs. All Proverbs are things people say. You know what they say. Act like a lady. There are scores of proverbs about 
how you ought to act, how you ought to behave, how you ought to comport yourself in public around other people, around people you don't like. How you ought to treat your friends. I think act like a lady is a proverb. It simply needs to be understood in a proverbial manner. And there's scores of proverbs that we never think through. There are scores of proverbs that we never analyze, unpack, turn over. And one of the purposes of this show is to think about obscure proverbs sometimes, but also to think about things that people say on a regular basis. Act like a lady. Act like a gentleman. The show could easily be act like a gentleman. Behave like a gentleman. This also is something people say. And it needs a little, it needs a little digestion in order to be rightly understood. We all know what it means. We all know what the grass is always greener on the other side means. We don't think about it, though. And it's worth thinking about. Act like a lady is worth thinking about. I wrote an article for Circe about this recently, and I can't get it out of my head. I can't get act like a lady out of my head. The longer I think about it, I've been stuck on it for a couple weeks now. The longer I think about it, the more profound it seems. For as basic as it is on the surface, act like a lady is pretty profound. Act like a gentleman. So let's get into it. What does it mean? What does it mean when you say act like a lady? First thing to, to note is that we've become accustomed to being referred to as ladies and gentlemen. And yet there are no ladies and gentlemen in America. Ladies and gentlemen. These are the words that are written on Restroom doors in decent restaurants. The ladies' room. We don't refer to the gentlemen's room, just the men's room, but it says gentlemen on the door. When a crowd of people is being addressed, ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. And so we've become accustomed to being called ladies and gentlemen, but there are no ladies and no gentlemen in the United States of America. And that is by design. We wanted it that way. The founders wanted it that way. They wanted no ladies, no lords, no dukes, no duchesses, no kings and queens. Go back, read the Constitution. Inherited titles of nobility are forbade in this country. We do not want them. The founders of our country believed that an aristocracy invariably, inevitably, rather quickly led to political corruption. And so inherited titles of nobility are not allowed, constitutionally banned in this country. No ladies and no gentlemen. When I say that there are no ladies and gentlemen in this country, I don't mean that no one in America has manners, but ladies and gentlemen are not euphemisms. They are technical terms. The term lady, the term gentleman, are terms like senator, butcher, baker, candlestick maker. These are terms for a certain kind of person, a certain profession. Not everyone's a butcher. We have butchers in this country. We have not constitutionally forbade butchers in this country. 
But we don't have ladies. We do not have aristocratic females. We do not have aristocratic males. This is a democracy. Everyone has an inherited title, so to speak. And so no one does. Act like a lady. Act like a female aristocrat. That's what that means. Act like a female aristocrat. Act like a gentleman. Act like a gentleman means, would you act like Mr. Darcy, please? Would you behave like Mr. Darcy? What would Darcy do? That's what act like a gentleman means. You've got to figure it out. What would Darcy do? What would Mr. Darcy's wife do? That's act like a lady. Now, in America, our only experience with aristocrats is by way of fiction. We've never actually seen a lord. Never actually seen a duchess. Actually, the duchess that we have seen, we don't like. And we're even kind of debating whether she's really a duchess at all. We haven't seen real lords and ladies. We don't have actual experience with them. We have the experience of fiction. We've got the upstairs, downstairs dramas of Julian Fellows. Downton Abbey, Gosford Park. We've got Kazuo Ishiguro's The Remains of the Day. We've got all the period fiction from Great Britain that's been popular in this country forever, especially over the last 15 years, 20 years. And that's our primary experience with ladies and gentlemen. A lot of the fiction that we have about ladies and gentlemen isn't flattering. We're kind of skeptical of ladies and gentlemen, when we're reading fiction, that is. Uh, for example, if you read Kazuo Ishiguro's The Remains of the Day or see the film, which is also very excellent, uh, you know that the hero of that story is Mr. Stevens, the butler, and his boss, the gentleman, Lord Darlington, is a Nazi creep. And by the end of that film, which is excellent, by the end of that novel, also excellent. You're thinking, ah, I do not like the aristocracy. This is the reason why this country forbade aristocrats. It's because they turn out like this privileged sleazebag, Lord Tarlington, who, you know, if you read the novel, is kind of putting together this um, squad of Nazi support in Great Britain back in the late 1930s, 1940s. And Mr. Stevens is the hard-working, dignified butler. And that's sort of, well, from a certain vantage point, when we're in a certain mood, that's what ladies and gentlemen do. They are Nazi sympathizers. Whereas the good guy in the story, Mr. Stevens, the butler, he's the guy that should have the power, and he doesn't. And in a truly just system, Mr. Stevens would have the power. And Laura Darlington wouldn't be above anyone else because look what he did with his power. Look what he did with his wealth. That's kind of the American understanding of aristocracy. When we're in a certain mood. There's this other mood that we get in, though, where we like ladies and gentlemen. We like dukes and duchesses. 
And that's the Jane Austen mood. That's the mood where we're not reading accounts of the aristocracy painted in the 20th century, where we're all very cynical. But the 17th and 18th and 19th century depiction of aristocrats. The Mr. Darcy's, the Mr. Bingley's. Then we sort of like aristocrats. Then aristocrats seem like, well, some of them are okay. Some of them are all right. And when we say, act like ladies and gentlemen, or act like a lady, we mean more of the Darcy aristocrat than the Lord Darlington aristocrat. Darlington might even be a name chosen for its similarity to Darcy. Oh, no. Maybe Ishiguro wants to uh, recast the way that we think of aristocrats. Maybe Darlington's an outlier. Maybe he's not implying that all lords and ladies are Nazi creeps. But by the end of the novel, we certainly don't think highly of them. Regardless, act like a lady. Act like an aristocratic female. How so? I can't. What if that's the response? You tell some 12-year-old girl, act like a lady. She says, how am I supposed to do that? I have no money. It's a fair point. When we say act like a lady or act like a gentleman, we mean this very particular aspect of the aristocrat's life. We don't mean their budget. So there's two aspects to the life of the aristocrat. There's kind of the objective side of it. There's the subjective side of it. On the objective side, an aristocrat is a wealthy landowner. An aristocrat is someone with a huge family fortune, someone who does not have to work for a living. Someone who has tens of millions of dollars, maybe hundreds of millions, probably not actually that much, that simply come down as an inheritance an inheritance of land, and the land has renters on it, and the renters pay a yearly fee. And so the aristocrat simply collects the money of the people who live on his land and lives on that money and doesn't have to work for a living like the rest of us. He doesn't have to be a butcher or baker or candlestick maker. He's free to simply, well, what is it that aristocrats do all day? Most Americans don't have a clear picture of that. And I would say that most Americans have a, a rather shoddy understanding of what aristocrats do all day because our primary understanding of aristocrats comes from fiction. Fiction is a lousy way of understanding a line of work. Like, if you want to know what it's like to be a cop, don't watch a cop movie. Like, a cop movie's not going to tell you what it's like to be a cop. A TV show set in a doctor's office isn't going to give you a real picture of what medicine is. If you want to know what it's like to be a teacher, don't watch Dangerous Minds with Michelle Pfeiffer. Fiction tends to not be all that reliable. It doesn't tend to be that accurate in its depictions of any line of work. A film, a novel has really got to go out of its way to give you a real picture of what it means to be a teacher or a doctor. Consider how common architect is 
as a profession of people in films. Whenever you need a character to be very wealthy, to have a sophisticated job, a job where they get to wear handsome clothes for work, if you're making a film and those are your needs, you need an architect. If you were to judge what architects do all day only by the architects in films of the last 20 years, you would assume that architects do nothing but sit and make phone calls. That's all they really do when they're at work in films. That's what architects do. You'll never see like a big drafting table. You'll never see anyone with a pen out in a film about an architect. So in the same way, if you want to know what an aristocrat does all day, films are not where you go to figure that out. Novels are not where you go to figure that out. If you're only going off of novels, what do aristocrats do all day? Just drink tea. Go to dances. That's it. If you were judging off of the novels of Jane Austen, aristocrats seem to do nothing all day. That's not really the case. Aristocrats have a number of responsibilities, one of which is that many of them are involved in government. An aristocrat is also often a patron of the arts. He's someone who subsidizes the work of poets and musicians, sculptors, for the benefit of the public. The architect wants to uh, increase the glory of the family name. He wants to benefit the people who live on his land. And so he commissions a church to be built so that everyone can go to worship. Aristocrats have many responsibilities. They have to be educated on top of all that. That's what classical education is. If you send your kid to a classical Christian school, you're giving him Mr. Darcy's education. You want him to grow up to be an aristocrat. In spirit, at least. So that's the objective side of the aristocracy. They're rich, they inherit all their money, they patronize the arts, they're involved in government. But that's not the only thing it means to be an aristocrat. When we say, act like a lady, we don't mean, hey, subsidize poets. That's not what it means when we say, act like a lady. We mean, adopt the behavior of an aristocrat. The objective side of the aristocracy is wealth, patronage. The subjective side is this vision of the good life that aristocrats hold out to common people. An aristocrat has the time, he has the freedom to dress well, to have good taste, to understand beauty, to understand history and to learn good manners. Common people look to aristocrats for behavioral cues. How do I treat women? If I'm a man, how do I treat women that I'm not related to? How do I treat women that are merely out in public? Do I hold doors for them? Do I tip my hat to them? The aristocracy is who you look to for instructions on that front. What does it mean to comport yourself like a female aristocrat, to comport yourself like a lady. How do ladies walk? How do they talk? How do they eat? Now, these are things, these are just aspects of life where you don't have to be rich and inherit a fortune to act like a lady. You can act like a lady even when you can't spend like a lady. A common man Butcher, baker, candlestick maker. 
can tip his hat like an aristocrat when a woman walks by. He can use his knife and fork the way that he's seen aristocrats do. He can adopt the tastes of an aristocrat. He can listen to the music and read the novels that entertain aristocrats. He can speak like an aristocrat, hold his tongue like an aristocrat. All these things a common person can do. And they don't need an education in order to do it. They simply need to be willing to imitate people who are wealthy, who are mannered. And in this way, it's possible to act like a lady and to act like a gentleman, even when you have no money. It's possible to adopt the behaviors of the upper crust of society, even when you're on the bottom. Now, all of this, I think, the average man could probably tease out if he merely sat all day in front of a blank screen and had to explain, act like a lady, what does it mean? But there's something deeper to note here in the advice, act like a lady, act like a gentleman. And that's that the man who merely acts like an aristocrat as opposed to being an aristocrat might actually have the better lot in life. Now, sure, that's going to sound maybe like sour grapes. Maybe it's better to be poor. Mm, let me explain myself. The aristocrat is required to be a well-mannered person because everyone's looking at him. An aristocrat is conspicuous. He must always behave as though he's being observed because he is. And that's one of the reasons why the aristocrat's manners are elevated. He's always under a microscope. Now, the aristocrat has some consolations for this constant observation he's under, which is that he has a splendid house and he has clothes from Gucci and Dolce and & Gabbana and he drives a Rolls Royce and he has all of these fine things. And maybe that's simply what you get if you're willing to be observed for your entire life. If you're willing to constantly be in the public eye, the public will give you some nice clothes and a fancy car to drive while they're staring at you. And for the common man you know, who drives a Honda Civic, you can look at the man in a Rolls Royce and say, no, he's got it. He's got what I want. He's got what everybody wants. I want to dress like that. I want to get my hair cut every six days. I want to look barbershop fresh like he does, smell like he does, dress like he does, eat where he eats. But I'm stuck down here in the bottom. I mean, it's possible to say that, but the aristocrat has to deal with the weight of wealth. The aristocrat has to deal with the temptations of wealth. He has to deal with the temptations of power and position. The common man doesn't have the consolations of pleasure, which the aristocrat has, but he can pretend. And there's always going to be moments for the common man where your life rises to the point that you're nearly touching the aristocrat at his base, 
were the highest moments of the common man's life and the lowest moments of the aristocrat's life are kind of nearly touching. Which is to say that there are moments in the common man's life when his life is nearly aristocratic. He drinks one glass of champagne a year. The aristocrat drinks bottles of champagne every spring. The common man drinks one glass of champagne every year, and it means the world to him. And then he goes back to drinking cheap beer. The common man rides in a Rolls Royce once in his life. He eats at a Michelin three-star restaurant once in his life, maybe. Maybe he eats at a one-star restaurant once in his life. And the aristocrat eats at a one-star restaurant, you know, 10 times a month. There are these moments of connectivity. There's these moments where the common man's life and the aristocrat's life nearly overlap. These moments mean almost nothing to the aristocrat. Drinking champagne means nothing to people who drink champagne every day. The common man doesn't deal with the temptations that come with the pleasure of being rich. He can still adopt the manners of the rich. And occasionally he can still enjoy the pleasures of the rich. Very occasionally. I don't want to paint this in a sunnier way than it deserves. But there's a few great moments in the common man's life when he lives maybe even just for an hour like an aristocrat. And it means more to him because it's a reality that's been slowly formed in his imagination for years, maybe even longer. The one fancy meal that he eats every year has been spiritually prepared for emotionally prepared for, and is sort of the fulfillment of a great prophecy when it actually unfolds. The other 364 days of the year, he can speak like an aristocrat, tip his hat like an aristocrat, and one day a year, maybe, he can actually live like an aristocrat. But it means more to him. It's only in his imagination, but it's the fulfillment of this great wish and he does not have to deal with the temptations of wealth that come from being able to do that sort of high living all the time. And so there's part of me that thinks that the common man has it better. That the common man has something to dream of. He has something to pretend. He has something to live into. And so on those moments where there's that slight connection, it's like this convergence of the material world and the immaterial world. The world of dream and the world of reality momentarily harmonize and a man gets to live through it. And then he gets to remember it for the rest of his life. And there's a pleasure even in remembering it. Because when he remembers it, he gets to tell himself that there's something in his life, there's something about him, which is not antithetical to this higher, better life. That he could do it. That he has done it. And that he can do it again. So, act like a lady. Adopt the manners of a lady. Adopt the behavior of a lady. Even though no one's looking, even though you are not a closely observed 
under-the-microscope kind of public figure. Behave as though you are. Live in that fantasy. And see how the fantasy makes your life truly better. The consolation of imaginary things is not imaginary, as Roger Scruton once said. So if you can live like a lady, if you can imitate a lady, man, there's some sense in which you've actually made it. Because every act of imitation is an act of becoming. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.